are going to dive into the word and I just want to say how thankful I am for this collection of talks, for this series um, that we've called Ghosted. And basically, I know some of us have been ghosted by people and that's a horrible feeling, but God wants to ghost us, meaning he wants to give us the Holy Spirit and he actually has already, but there are so many of us who haven't embraced or received the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's giving to every single one of us. I think so many of us think that the Holy Spirit is only for the elite Christians, only for the major leaders and pastors and people who are really doing great things for God. But the Holy Spirit is for each and every one of God's children. Last week, my husband talked about the book of Acts. And when he said that, I don't know if he said to read it this week, but I did. And I just, I would highly recommend that for every single one of you um, because I was so supercharged and inspired and challenged by the Holy Spirit at work in the early church. It's so powerful. So if you put that on your calendar to read every single day, the book of Acts, I just wanna challenge you because it is so powerful. This week, I wanna talk about the Holy Spirit and you. Last week, we were learning about who the Holy Spirit is. We were learning about what the Holy Spirit does. And to this week, I wanna talk about the Holy Spirit and you. Um, A.W. Tozer said in his tiny little book called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so tiny and you could literally read it in like 30 minutes. You should get it. Um, but he said, the spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. So it's for, he's for every single one of us. And I want us to see today how we can identify the Holy Spirit working around us, but also how we can identify him working in us and how we can confidently say, that's the Spirit. And that's the title of my message today, that's the Spirit. We will be in Galatians chapter five, but I wanted to start in John 15, and this is where I was teaching um, at Movement Conference, and it's just still rumbling around in my own heart, so I just wanted to start there because it's a really good place to start. John 15, verse five says, oh, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. This is Jesus speaking to us, abiding in Jesus, the vine. This is key to real life. We can't do anything without Jesus. And um, I showed our students some pictures. Here's one of grapes on a vine. Fruitful, full grapes, ready to be harvested. Bearing fruit, this is bearing fruit. Or in other words, yielding fruit. Later on in John 15, Jesus talks about, um, if you aren't abiding in me, you will be cast out because branches on their own can't bear fruit. So I also showed this picture to the students of branches. And that's 
not what we want to be. We want to be branches connected to the vine, not branches on our own, because branches on our own produce nothing. Branches connected to the vine produces fruit. So that's a little sneak peek into part of my message for students, but a segue into what we're, we're talking about today. In the book of Galatians, so you can move there now, um, in the back of the book, <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever learned this, but there's um, First and Second Corinthians, and then there's Galatians, um, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And the way I remember it is go eat popcorn. <laughs> so if you go to Colossians, you know that you're at the end of the, you're at corn, and then there's pop, and then there's eat, and then there's go. So that just helps me. I don't know if that will ever help you, but go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians chapter 5. Paul's speaking to the church of Galatia, and he's teaching them basically an overall view of this book is that he's, he's teaching them that it's not about a life of religious duty or regulations before God, but it's about a life of faith, surrendered to God, abiding in Christ, walking in the spirit, walking in grace, walking in freedom, walking in power and in joy. And in chapter five, Paul starts, he says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And then in verses 16, verse 16, he says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Emphasis on that word practice, if you practice those things. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. You're free to do all these things. There's no law against these things. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And Father, we just 
ask for you to speak to us. I know already you have been opening our eyes, making us aware, but Lord, we wanna receive what you have for us today. So would you open our eyes to see glorious truths in your word? Would you open the eyes of our understanding that if we have blind spots or we're cloudy in some areas that you would blow that cloud and smoke away and that we would see you clearly. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here that the kind of fruit that the spirit yields is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you see these things coming from someone else's life, you can say, that's the spirit. That's the spirit. When you, experiencing this, when you experience this fruit coming from your own life, you can point and say, that's the spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. But it's interesting because Paul also refers to what's not the spirit. Excuse me. Um, I don't know about your kids or what you think about Halloween, but regardless, that's a whole other conversation. Um, my kids literally, literally start planning their Halloween costume a year in advance. And like they finish Halloween and then the next day is like, okay, next year. And they start like planning it all out. And, but then somehow still we keep, we still scramble probably because that's me scrambling at the end to figure things out. But um, we were talking about Halloween and how there's a, one of those spirit Halloween stores um, in our city. And Daisy declared from the back seat, she was like, that is not the spirit. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that is, that is very true, Daisy. Um, but it's true. There is the fruit of the spirit, but there's also fruit of a spirit of a not good kind or an evil kind. Paul calls, calls them the works of the flesh. We read the list in the New King James Version, but I, I really love how the message renders it. Um, it says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. That is intense. But there's good fruit that's meant to come out of our lives. But there can also be bad fruit that comes out of our lives. And I love the distinction because it's just very obvious. When you read it, it's like, oh yeah, there's the good fruit, which we want the good fruit. And then there's the bad fruit. And here's what I want to clarify is that if there is bad fruit coming out of your life, you are not bad. Bad fruit coming out of your life is an indicator. It's an alert. 
it should be a, a warning sign saying, alert, 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 something's happening deep down inside for this fruit to be coming out, for this rotten fruit to be coming out of your life. And I'm so thankful for that because it points us to God. It points us to Jesus. It points us to the Holy Spirit. But it's not on you to try to clean your life up and produce awesome fruit. That's the Holy Spirit in you. And so if you are producing bad fruit, if you're, like Paul said, if you're practicing these things, that should be an alert to you to turn to Jesus, to turn your life and let him Shake, shake the tree and get all those the bad fruit off and allow him to do the deep work that only he can do to produce the fruit that he wants. Are you trusting God? Are you surrendered to him? Are you abiding in Jesus? Are you letting the Holy Spirit lead? It goes on to say in the message translation of Galatians 5.22, but what happens when we live God's way He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Living God's way means depending on the Holy Spirit. And when we depend on the Holy Spirit, we bear the kind of fruit that he wants in our lives. Write this down. The key to real, fresh life is number one, Surrender to God. Now this is simple, but we gotta keep it simple, right? Surrender to God, number one. Number two, abide in Christ. Number three, yield to the Holy Spirit. Yielding. We were driving together as a family and there was a yield sign. I was, this message was just like rolling around in my mind and there was a yield sign and when we yielded, I was like, Oh, that's what we're supposed to do with the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to yield. And that means you slow down enough to see what's going on, and then you proceed. And I love that for us. Write that word down, yield. Yield. What does it mean to yield? Well, we can yield to authority, we can yield, um, yield means to surrender, but it also means to produce. When a tree bears fruit, a tree is also yielding fruit. And here's something that God blew my mind with this week. Again, super simple, but I'm a simple girl, so I need it put simply. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, write that down. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, then And only then can we yield the fruit from our lives that he wants us to live. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, 
then and only then can we yield the fruit that he wants us to live. Yielding, slowing down, waiting on the Holy Spirit so that we can yield love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Titus 3, verses 4 through 7 says, But the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Who's thankful that he saved us? Anybody? He saved us. It wasn't because of, because of the good things we have done. Church, hear me clearly. He saved us because he loves us, and it's not because of what we did to earn his favor, to make him love us. It's not the good that we have done. It was because of his mercy. He saved us by washing away our sins. We were born again. The Holy Spirit gave us new life, God poured out the Spirit on us freely. That's because of what Jesus, our Savior, has done. His grace made us right with God. So now we have received the hope of eternal life as God's children. I'm speaking it in faith. When you read the book of Acts, you're going to see that God poured out his Spirit on people who we saw previously in the Gospels who were afraid. There's Peter, who denied Jesus three times and was cowardly. And you see in the book of Acts, he is preaching boldly. He doesn't care what anyone, what the religious people are saying. He's preaching Jesus Christ boldly. And that's something that's so beautiful is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone, the result is the gospel being preached. The result is people coming to faith. All throughout the book of Acts, you see someone preaches, someone acts, someone does something, and God is glorified. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He points to Jesus, gives glory to God, and draws people to himself. And when we yield to the Holy Spirit, when we let our life be open to what God wants to do in us, we will see him use us to love people in God's love and to reach out with God's love. And it is so beautiful. You've seen it. You've all seen it when people, whether you've experienced, received it or whether you've given it, but whether you, where you've experienced the Holy Spirit through someone and you say, oh, that's the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. James chapter 3 verse 14 says, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where every, sorry, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Willing to yield 
full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I wanna end with um, apples. We have two apple trees in our front yard and I, my husband has told you about and he wrote about them in, um, I think I declare war. I don't know. I think that's where he wrote about them. Um, but we have two apple trees and they are so, I should have taken a picture and shown you, but I didn't. I chose pictures of apples from other people's trees, which we won't show you yet. But um, we have two apple trees and they are full of apples. And from afar, they look so beautiful. There's one tree, because they, they told us when we planted them that one, they needed to be different kinds so they can cross-pollinate. I don't understand that, I didn't look it up, but that's the thing. And so one tree is red apples, not fully red, but like the gala kind or the honey crisp kind. And then the other one is just purely green apples. And so I went out with the girls the other day, and Lennox, sorry, I always say the girls and there's Lennox too. But um, we went out and I was like, you guys, these apples look like they're ready for us. And so I started shaking the tree and like apples were falling on my head. And I was like, okay, hold on guys, wait out there and I'm gonna shake the tree and just let all the ones that are ready fall down. And so, so many apples were falling down. Uh, there's this guy riding a bike along the street and he looked at us, he was like, those are apples? Like a question mark. And I'm like, yeah, those are apples. <laughs> Maybe they look different from the street. But um, so there were so many apples on the ground. And so we started picking them. And I was like, guys, let's just put them all in a basket. And then I realized quickly that, oh, there's some bad apples in here. And there were some with um, bruises, some with worms. And I have a picture of not my apples, but um, of the bruised ones. Um, where I guess apples are easily um, susceptible to disease and um, worms and bugs because they're so soft. So bugs will just step right in and then they'll just eat through it and then they'll be rotten. But um, there's also diseases that happen that prevent apples from being actually good to eat. But I was realizing, I was like, man, there's bad apples in here. So I was like, okay guys, let's put the bad apples in this basket and then let's put the good apples in this basket. And so we were just putting them back and forth, back and forth. And it just dawned on me that this is such a clear picture of what can come out of our life. We're actually capable of, of producing good apples, good fruit. But so often we produce bad apples or bad fruit because of what's going on inside of our heart, what's going on inside of our soul. And so I just wanna talk, oh, I wanna show you a healthy apple. Yes, so beautiful, yummy. I love apples, but they have to be crunchy and they cannot be chalky. Our apples are currently chalky. We have a crispy apple fan. <laughs> um, yes, it's about me. So if you give me an apple, I will not eat if it's chalky. Um, so what I want you to think about is identifying, as we've read those, those two lists, the list of good fruit that can come out of your life, the list of bad fruit that can come out of your life, I want you to identify some of those fruits. 
And maybe this week, just take some time and maybe just have those, the, the verses before you and just consider what is coming out of your life. Do you say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit? Or do you see, that's my flesh? And our flesh wars against our spirit. There's a tension, there's a war happening in us that some of us are not aware of. And I want to make you aware of that struggle. It's real. And some of us who are bearing fruit, good fruit, sometimes we're also bearing bad fruit. And I wanna talk about that for a moment because what about when you're walking in the spirit, you love Jesus, you're listening for his voice, but then something triggers you, you yell at your spouse, you yell at your kids, you're super jealous of your friend. That's gonna come out because we're flesh with a spirit. Although the truth is we're a soul, we're a spirit with flesh but we have flesh and spirit warring against each other. Jesus himself said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. We want to produce good fruit. We want to please God. We want to do well, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. So what about that? What about when you are a Christian and you love God, but these things just keep coming out. D.L. Moody said, although Christian men and women have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, he is not dwelling in them in power. In other words, God has a great many sons and daughters without power. And what I wanna encourage you in today is if you feel like you may be one of those believers who you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you. Maybe you're doing things in your own strength. Maybe you're struggling through trying to grow fruit, but it's just, it's chalky apples. That's not your job. Your job is to yield. Your job is to trust. Your job is to surrender. And the Holy Spirit is gonna work in you. He's gonna work through you and you'll start seeing fruit coming out of your life that will shock you because you're like, I could never do that on my own. And that is the point. The point is that the glory doesn't go to us. Look at the amazing fruit that I produced. But the glory goes to God. Look at the amazing things that God has done. I keep getting distracted, but going back to that person who just is struggling and feeling like I want to do what I, what I don't want to do. I don't do what I want to do. Welcome to life as a Christian. Paul in the Bible talked about that. He said that exact same thing. And I don't have the verse because it's just coming to my brain right now. But he said, what I want to do, I don't do. Like the good things that I want to do, I don't do. But the bad things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. Who can deliver me from this flesh or something? I don't know exactly what he said, but that's the basic idea. Here's the thing. We are still sinful people who struggle, who will struggle. We are imperfect. 
Can I get an amen? <laughs> yes, we might be filled with the Holy Spirit, but we still have our flesh. The flesh wars against the Spirit. So what it comes down to is which one are you feeding more? Because you have a flesh who's very hungry and rabid and doing whatever it wants. And then you have a spirit who is so willing, so ready, so wanting to abide, to surrender to God, to abide to Jesus, to yield to the Holy Spirit. But you go back and forth. How many times, me personally, have I had such an amazing time in the morning with Jesus? And I'm just, yes, God, you taught me so much. This is so amazing. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna serve you and I'm gonna love you and I'm gonna follow you and I'm gonna tell everyone about you that I come in contact with. And in the next moment, kids are fighting, yelling at my kids, everything's a mess, everything's horrible. And it's like, oh, what have I done? That's real. It's real life, but we can practice the good fruit that God wants to come out of our lives. Just because you have a good moment and then you have a bad moment doesn't make you bad. God is working in you more deeply than you know. We're gonna struggle with our sinful nature all the way till heaven. But I wanna show you and remind you is that being perfect is not your job. That's Jesus's job. And God sent Jesus, fully God, fully man to live the perfect life, to die a sinless death. And he raised from the dead on the third day. His job is perfection. His job is sinlessness. Our job is to abide in our savior, to surrender to our God. Going back to what are you feeding more? There's the flesh, there's the spirit. It's been said that the flesh is like a dog and the spirit is like a dog. If you feed the dog with, that's the flesh more, that one's gonna be the one that's growing and strong. But if you feed your spirit more, that one will be stronger. You will always struggle with the flesh. I'm not speaking that over you like you're always gonna struggle, but we're always gonna be tempted. We're always gonna have a hard time. But the more that we're following Jesus, the more that we're feeding our spirit, the more that we're walking in the spirit, that's gonna be stronger. Our spirit will be stronger while we yield to the Holy Spirit. What feeds your spirit? What feeds your flesh? What feeds your spirit? Time in God's word. Time just being still and knowing that he is God. 
time with a friend where you're encouraging each other, telling each other what God's been teaching you lately. When you gather as the church and you're serving, you're welcoming people. That will make your spirit stronger. But what feeds your flesh? Well, if you get together with a friend and you just gossip the whole time, that's feeding your flesh. And lots of other things. We have the list. Here's the thing. We can get so stuck in the things that we've been used to doing and hear me. Again, like what Paul said, those who practice those things, that list of intense things, those who practice those things, he says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let's not practice the bad fruit. Let's practice the good fruit. Um, I love, I've been learning so much about neuropathways and basically our minds have neuropathways where if we have a thought, it's actually a groove in our brain. So if we have a thought that we think a lot or like a negative thought or something that just comes to our mind and we just kind of dwell on it, that creates a groove, literally a groove in our brain that we get used to. So that's kind of like our go-to thought. If you're used to, to talking down on yourself and saying, oh, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I screwed up again. Jenny, why do you do that? That's a, that's a neuro pathway that I'm used to forming and that's my go-to thought. But the only way to combat a neuro pathway is to replace it. You can't just like try to be good and try to not think about that. You just have to, when that thought comes in that moment, you think, oh, Jenny, let's do better next time or let's be kind. Hey, you've got this. And then slowly but surely, as you start thinking this new thought, that pathway gets deeper and that becomes your go-to thought. So I would say the same with actions. And honestly, some of us maybe need to get counseling or therapy with things that we've struggled with in our past or have been done to us, and that's good. But I think it's also with actions. We have to, if we're wanting to do a bad thing, replacing that with, okay, let me read a verse. I want, I'm tempted to do this. I'm gonna call my friend who can encourage me and say, hey, it's, it's gonna be okay, you got this. I'm tempted in this thing. Oh, I'm gonna memorize this passage of scripture. And then slowly, those things that you would go to you've slowly made that pathway for you. And again, that's the Holy Spirit. Have you been in the habit of lying? Insert truth, tell the truth, start small, build up that pathway. Have you spent much of your life jealous? Insert joy celebrating others' wins, what others have, and being thankful and content with what you have? Have you grown up letting anger lead you? Insert humility. 
and realize that there's something underneath the anger because we know that anger is a secondary emotion. So if that's our go-to, there's something deeper. It's an alert. What is required in us is yielding. I had you write down, surrender to God, abide in Christ and yield to the Holy Spirit. And those words together say, say. So when you're surrendered to God, when you're abiding in Christ, when you're yielding to the Holy Spirit, you can say that's the Spirit. And when you're yielding to the Holy Spirit, we can wield our weapons properly. And I'm gonna end here. I think I've said I'm gonna end a few times, but here I really am gonna end. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand. Therefore, I think we're meant to stand, church. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, when we slow down and we ask, God, what do you wanna do in this situation? Before I fly off the handle and yell at my kids, I yield. Help me assess the situation and see what's really going on before I react. And when you yield, you can accurately and effectively wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we're meant to stand, church. As we end, <laughs> I don't know where you guys are at with the Holy Spirit. I first heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which the Bible talks about when I was 18. And I was like, baptism of the Holy Spirit, what is that even? And my friend was like, actually my college pastor at the time was like, it's just asking the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to fill you to overflowing. So, because when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in you. And like D.L. Moody said in that quote, we all have the spirit of God in us when we say yes to Jesus, but it's a matter of allowing his power to flow through us. 
And so in that moment, I was actually kind of scared because I was like, what does that even look like to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Like, because I just think of like in the book of Acts when the fire came down and was on top of everybody's heads and everyone was speaking in tongues and people who spoke different languages heard people who didn't speak their language, but heard them in their own language, glorifying God, like crazy things. And so I was like, I, I don't know about this, but he literally just prayed over me and said, Lord, I just pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon Jenny and to empower her like never before. And it wasn't like I started speaking in tongues. I will honestly say to you that I've never spoken in tongues. I know people who do, and that's amazing. I never have, and sometimes I wonder if like I'm not like at a certain level of spirituality, but I just don't, and so I'm okay with that. But I do pray. I'm like God. I just want to speak in heavenly language, and I just like keep talking. Like something, <laughs> something come out of my mouth. But sorry, that um, is has not happened, and that's okay. But nothing crazy happened in that moment. It was just. His Holy Spirit came upon me. And then not soon after, I moved myself. I was 19, moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico because I wanted to serve God with my life. And then I met my husband and I've just experienced God's power along the way. All that to say is I wanna pray over you. And specifically, I wanna pray for those of you who want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's not weird, it's literally me praying over you. And if that's something that you want, um, even this week, just um, talking to your Fresh Life group and, and saying, this is, this is what happened to me this weekend, or, and taking steps of faith. And I think that that's what's so beautiful is like you see Peter in the book of Acts and he would just take a step of faith and he would be bold and so that's what I'm gonna pray over you. But first of all, I wanna pray asking, first of all, I wanna ask if there's anyone who has never given their life to Christ. And then I'm gonna lead in a prayer for the Holy Spirit. Father, we recognize that you are doing something beautiful in our hearts, in our midst, and we look to you. And I also realize that there are people across our whole church who maybe don't have a personal relationship with you where they have said, God, I surrender. I lift up my hands and surrender because I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize that I've done wrong things. My, my lifestyle has been bearing bad fruit and God, I just wanna to turn to you and I want you to have your way in my life. And you're really just saying yes to God. And so if that's you, all across our church, online, would you raise your hand? You're saying yes, yes, Jesus, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. Raise your hand. And for those of you who are raising your hand, I'm gonna pray for you and I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me and with our church. You can put your hands down. 
but you're gonna pray a simple prayer like this. Dear God, I surrender to you. I realize that I'm nothing without you and that I need you. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I turn from what I was doing to you. And I don't have it all together, but I know your spirit will work through me. In Jesus' name. And now I just want to take a moment For those of you who feel like in that D.L. Moody quote, you're a son or a daughter who's not walking in power and you just want the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to be in you so that he can flow through you, giving you power and confidence and boldness and strength like never before, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and I'm gonna pray over you. If that's you, raise your hand all across our church. Father, I pray for those reaching out to you. I love that your word says that your eyes look to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to those whose hearts are upright towards you so that you can show yourself strong on their behalf. So I pray for those whose hands are raised. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon them in a fresh way, that you would fill them, every part of them, that they would breathe in your grace, breathe out your praise, that their life would be a testimony of your goodness, that you would make them aware that wherever you have called them is where you have called them and where you want them to stand, to be bold, to be confident, to be humble, to be kind, full of love, your love, not the love that the world gives, your love. I pray that you would empower them and from this moment on that they would walk in you, that they would keep in step with the Spirit. And that means every day asking, Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, refresh me. Holy Spirit, move in me so that others may know you, so that others may live, so that you may be glorified. I pray that over every person whose hand is raised, we surrender to you, God. We ask Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our heart longs for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord.